All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go to 11. We have Greg Dutcher with us again. Greg, say hello. Hello. And we also have special guest speaker, Jeff Krotz. Jeff, say hi to everyone out there. Hey to everyone out there. Um, We're doing a little bit of uh, editing today, Um, had some glitches, so we're going to have Jeff for the third time. Um, Just go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, family, (laughs) what you do up there in uh, Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, go for it. Well, yeah, we've, my family and I have been up here for six years, so we're still adjusting. It's quite a transition from what's called the lower 48 or um, America. (laughs) And so (laughs) I grew up in Virginia and um, was trained in Southern California. And then I met my wife there and we uh, were together at a church in Little Rock, Arkansas for 11 years. And that's where we had our six kids ranging from age 15 down to five. And in between, in the middle of that, our two twin boys, a.k.a. um, Jacob and Esau. Anyway, but those those twins... So we took all six uh, kids, my wife and I did, up to Anchorage, Alaska in 2009, where I took a... uh, a senior pastorate at a community Bible church called Anchorage Grace Church. And we've been up here ever since and adjusting and enjoying kind of the wild uh, nature atmosphere up here, but enjoying Anchorage a lot and um, preaching the word. Wow. And Jeff, just for me to chime in here, um, I met Jeff, Nathan, when Lisa and I were engaged. She was in her last year at Liberty, as were you, right, Jeff? 94. Um, 94. And I would go down there to see her. And, you know, obviously, for some reason, Liberty had this uh, policy that a guy couldn't stay in a girl's dorm. I'm, I'm not sure what that was about. It was crazy, some, crazy college. Yeah, some standard they had. Right, I, Jeff? Well, I think it's legalism. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty high bar legalism. <laughs> That's right. It was outright legalism. Yeah. <laughs> they would not let me in. And so, uh, yeah, so Lisa was. Um, you know, with a sort of big mutual group of friends there. And I remember uh, it was you and Brian had your off-campus apartment, Jeff. And I I came down there like the first weekend. It was so weird. I didn't know you at all. You guys left the door open and probably found me crashed on your couch when you woke up the next morning. Um, Yep. So that's when uh, I met Jeff. And Jeff, dude, back then, man, you were like, I honestly thought you were this California, like Beach Boys extra um, blonde yeah. hair, just a surfer dude. Um, but you actually uh, grew up what Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach, was that right? Yeah, it's where we pretend to be Californians. Virginia yeah, Beach. <laughs> that's right. That's right. California boys. That's what they were. And that's uh, what we're it, it was good because Jeff was. I was in my huge, just about. Well, I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. MacArthur was my guy. <laughs> I wanted to go to master seminary, but. Well, finances and traveling across the other side of the country to Southern California wasn't going to work. So I idolized Jeff and hated him because of it. Because as soon <laughs> yeah. as he was done Liberty, you went over to Masters. I did. I did. I got to live in Southern California. And more importantly, I got to live in the library at Master Seminary where you do all your homework all yes. the time. So it's a great experience. Yes, yes. So you were out there. What, you did your MDiv for three years out there, Jeff? It took me four, and I worked at the Master's College uh, at the same time, so I was able to get a lot of on-the-job training with uh, godly people who were trained under the philosophy of ministry um, under John, under John MacArthur. So, wow. wow. Great experience. Hey, and we talked about last week on our 
uh, podcast with our other guests, what like Christian celebrity stuff. Yep. Certainly MacArthur's in that category, yeah. one of the most known, you know, American sort of pastor teacher Christians. Yep. Uh, did you have him for courses, Jeff? He would come in for the preaching classes and would give us tips and, and seminars. So he wasn't really a professor, but he was a guest speaker, a lecturer. I heard him Sunday mornings at church, at Grace Church, and Sunday evenings. And then because I was a student at the Master Seminary, we had chapel Tuesdays and Thursdays there, and then Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays at the college where I was employed. So I was in a preaching setting or being preached to at least seven times a week wow. and then I would and then I would teach a, a Bible study on Wednesday night but so there was a lot of preaching dynamic for those four years and probably I heard John in just about every venue that he would be speaking in around the college and the seminary and the church for four years. Wow. So I heard him a lot. Wow. Now, Jeff, I mean, you would say, like, sitting under John MacArthur is almost as impressive as sitting under my teaching? Well, it's (laughs) actually, actually, it's it's very, it's a very similar thing, because uh, in in one sense, and I don't mean to, to be super serious all of a sudden, but uh, if the Bible's being taught, that's really what matters, right? So it, in Man. one sense, it really doesn't matter who is the speaker, whether it's Balaam's donkey yeah. or John Carter, right? I mean, so, it doesn't, so he doesn't just, matter who. Greg, he just compared you to a donkey. <laughs> no, 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 clearly. I think he was no. comparing Jeff's style to Balaam's donkey. Uh, right, it was Carter. me. That's what I heard. I was, gotcha. I was yeah. thinking of me. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no, that's, uh, that's good, Jeff. And uh, I just uh, remember, Nathan, This is, something happened to Jeff. It was very cruel. I mean, uh, they graduated May of that year. Do you remember, dude, who your who your graduation speaker was? Uh, you mean at Master Seminary at Liberty? At Liberty? No, I have no recollection because I was up all night. Yeah. The night before. <laughs> which we might get to. It was uh, Jesse Helms, who was the belated uh, senator from North Carolina, ultra conservative <laughs> senator. And I remember, like Lisa said, a year before, two years before, it was like Billy Graham. They had President Bush won one of those years in there. <laughs> yeah. So you get, and then it was Jesse Helms who, um, growing up in a Democratic family in Maryland, he was he was bad news. So uh, <laughs> that was that was pretty intriguing, man. That was pretty intriguing. But Jeff, yeah, you were up all night. Why was that? I I can't seem to remember what that was. Well, some friends of mine uh, had the really wise idea, you know, in deep wisdom and prayer and meditation. We devised a plan where we wanted to um, hang a banner um, for the edification of the student body um, in, in honor in honor of our graduating class of '94. A it was a takeoff on a Mountain Dew commercial of "Been There, Done That." So we basically put a "Been There, Done That" banner, sewing sheets together and spray paint and. We had guys that climbed uh, all the time for their athletic sport, you know, to climb rock faces, take us up there. And we entrusted our lives in their hands as silly young men and uh, hung a banner on the top of the Vine Center. Man, and, and that never followed you years later, did it? You were never held accountable for that. Well, after we repelled, <laughs> we repelled down, I think there was a uh, – we thought it was a police chopper that went over while we were up on the building. I think it turned out to be a hospital, like the hospital Nightingale chopper, but it had a searchlight. I kid you not, I'm not making this up. And we panicked. We thought we were busted and going to be in jail and not be able to graduate. And uh, 
I think what was it about four months later? I was at I was in Southern California on the West Coast in my new job as a resident director, and I got this this call. This call came to my uh, my room and uh, where I was, you know, in the apartment uh, in the dormitory, and it was a policeman. Um, recollecting or, or inquiring whether or not you know i was part of that that scandal and it was and it was really you yeah so, so. dude it was awesome dude, the, the panic in your voice I, I wish i could remember it verbatim but i remember you were like um hey is this a like a formal inquiry <laughs> or, is, or are you well, just checking in and i i only kept him in you know suspense for 20 minutes or so you you cranked down your naturally baritone voice about two decibels and took on some command sheriff like from Lynchburg, Virginia tone. And you basically had me on the floor. I was losing my breath like, man, this thing has come back to haunt me. Man. I'm just glad we're not going public with it now with a podcast. Yeah, but, right. Um, I was going to say, good. Good. So if anybody was offended in 1994 in Lynchburg, Virginia from the been there, done that sign. Jeff Crotts, Anchorage, Alaska. That's right. That's Where, right. By the way, as you told us, Jeff, it is actually 40 degrees there right now, your time, here uh, February 24th, uh, yeah. 2015. It is 20 degrees here in Maryland. And dropping. That's right. Yeah, and That's dropping, right. I don't... So. I don't... We don't believe in global warming as, you know, conservative, <laughs> evangelical Fox Newsites. However, however, global warming up here is a good thing, so uh, keep... You know, keep spraying the uh, stuff in the ozone. <laughs> absolutely, man. It's working for us. A- absolutely. All right. So we're going to go ahead and uh, move on with the show. we got a good show for you tonight. Um, we're going to be talking about um, the Oscars and celebrities and Christians um, are, are kind of intrigue with um, secular celebrities and award shows and ceremonies. Um, and then we're also going to be speaking um, to conferences, Christian conferences, because, you know, the other thing that us good Christian boys and girls like our conferences. And um, then to kind of finish it off, we're going to be talking about um, expository preaching, um, you know, just preaching through the word of God. And um, is is that better or worse than topical preaching? And um, so let's get started with the Oscars. Um, Jeff, did you end up seeing the Oscars uh, this past Sunday? No, I, I didn't. What when you uh, when you mentioned when you mentioned that uh, you were going to be talking about this, I immediately thought of my wife who is Basically, my link to pop culture. So anything I know in terms of pop culture comes through our our late night meditations and prayer time. We talk about pop culture together. So. <laughs> anyway, but she seriously is up on all of that. But anyway, just it, start talking and and we'll see where where this applies. Okay. Well, and Greg, you did um, you said that this was your homework assignment for the podcast. Yes. yes. Uh, and Jeff, I'm shocked that you didn't watch it because we gave you at least two days notice. Uh, well, our, I our well prepared research here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I tried to interlace it in my sermon prep time, but because I'm an expositor, you know, it's it's hard to show video clips and things like that of the Oscar. <laughs> See, Jeff, that's why I spend a solid half hour a week in actual biblical exegesis <laughs> and, and 35 hours, you know, watching things on Netflix. So I uh, just Wait. keep you know keep learning from me, and you will. You've you got. Will know. Well, you've got to build a bridge. Otherwise, you know, people will just shut you off. They won't listen to you. Exactly, dude. I have to know every single show that airs on every cable network channel. Uh, I inside agree. And out, inside and out. I, wa- 
I watched a little bit of Fallon last night, so does that count? I don't know. Am I in yet or what? Yeah, as long as you're watching Fallon and not Kimmel, you're good. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I like I like Fallon far more than Kimmel. And um, yeah, I actually did. I, I watched pretty much the entire thing. Yeah. And um, I mean, I guess I mean my first thought, dude, is it was boring. I thought mm-hmm. it was so boring. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was the host, who's actually a pretty funny guy. Yeah. And he was okay. I don't know if his hands were tied by the writing. It mm-hmm. seemed a little bland to me. Uh, I think a few years ago they did this thing where they put like the supporting actor awards first. Yeah. Because it used to be you waited for any legitimate award right till the very end. But they need to mix that up. I mean, it was three and a half, four hours. And once you got past the uh, you know best supporting actor and actress uh, award, it was sound mixing, sound right, editing, right. key grip, gaffer. Uh, you know those kind of positions that nobody cares about. And honestly, I wish, I know it's horrible. I mean, if you're the great uncle of that guy up there getting the sound mixing award, it's your proudest moment. Mm-hmm. And I just wish they'd have a little private ceremony for those guys because <laughs> I mean, nobody cares. You know, yeah. nobody cares uh, except that small family. They should just do what we're doing, like do a Skype thing and get 20 people <laughs> just together. Just podcast it. <laughs> they, they should, man. Just put it out there. And yeah, so I, I watch it. And uh, uh, that was sort of my overall impression was pretty dull. Mm-hmm. Were there any uh, any yeah. moments that um, kind of stood out to you as, you know, I mean, it, you know, people are talking about this as being one of the more political um, Oscars out there, just in yeah. terms of speeches and messages and things like that. Was there anyone in particular that kind of stood out to you um, one way or the other, positive or negative in terms of, you know, their speeches. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say there were. My my favorite was uh, I don't know Jeff uh, being so limited on pop culture as you are, but the um, the uh, the dude that does the what's the uh, insurance dun 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 farmers uh, yeah, the, farm, yeah, yeah, the yeah, farmers yeah. insurance yeah. guy yeah J K Simmons yeah J K Simmons uh, he gave uh, he won for Whiplash which yep. is a movie I haven't seen yet but I've I've heard it's a pretty interesting film. And uh, his speech was awesome. Yeah. Did, uh, did yeah. you watch it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we watched it. It was yeah. all family. Yep. And I just thought, I mean, he thanked his wife. He thanked his kids. I think he did it all by name. And he just limited it to his family. Yep. You know there were 101 agents and producers and casting directors that could have been mentioned. And, you know, I don't know how he would choose to do that. But I just thought, hey, I got this one moment in the sun. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to thank the most important people in my life. I, I wish you saw more of that. I think yeah. it's... I think it's more heartfelt. I think it's more meaningful. I think it's more interesting. So his stood out to me. Um, I think the other one that stood out was uh, on, on a humorous level. Did you see Travolta? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Within Dina Menzel. That was great. All right, now, Jeff, uh, since I'm educating you on on current cutting-edge culture, did, yeah. did you know of last year's snafu with Travolta and, uh, and the chick that sings... Um, What's her big song from Frozen? I let it go. Let it go. If you've ever heard that, maybe your kids, you know, are into that song. Yeah, the girls. Um, yeah. Her her name is Adina Menzel. Okay. Did you know what uh, Travolta did last year? Well, just enlighten me. I, I can I can see the stage. He yeah. what? Yeah, he came out. What what did he? He, he called he her totally something. Totally butchered. What? Her yeah. Name. Is it is it that he gets the name wrong every time? I know Fallon was uh, mocking that last night as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He he came out and he. Last year he said something like, "And uh, please welcome the ever talented, uh, you know, you know, uh, Lajel Nazim." And uh, it, was, it wasn't even close. It was so butchered. 
Uh, Ricky Gervais, the British comedian, says he sometimes, just to humor himself, watches that on YouTube any day for 20 times. <laughs> um, so, you know, he, he comes out with her. It's kind of cutesy. She welcomes him, and it, it was some totally butchered name. He comes out and now makes a new air. See, he, like, touched her face yeah. 77 times or something like that. And uh, it, it was weird. So he'll probably it, be back next year apologizing. Well, yeah, they were they were showing the creepy factor last night again on Jimmy Fallon. So that's – I got it kind of uh, retrospectively. Yes. But, he, yes. but, but Travolta – does he really have long hair now? Was that what I saw in the quick – pictures that they were flashing up about the night before or whatever i think he does doesn't he put it yeah. in a ponytail or something i think he's had long hair since like pulp fiction yeah well I, was... yeah i thought that they i thought he kind of butched it off and was losing it you know i always look for people who are iconic that lose their hair because <laughs> all my blonde, all my blonde hair is just about gone so yeah. uh anyway yeah my my blonde gorgeous locks jeff have receded in recent years I, um, yeah, I know that. I'm aware of that. Yeah. But I, I think they probably, with celebrities, they have like, you know, fake hairspray, you know, plastic hair that they spray up there. So anyway, yeah. it's I, I all think, good. I think Travolta has been mocked in the tabloids for having a piece on. So I don't know oh, if it's, okay. it's if that's really no. his hair. Or... Interesting, man. Maybe he'll be the guy to bring it back. You know, I, I, I'm waiting. To, who's the actor that's going to bring back the tube? You know, that's all. remember Howard Cosell, dude? I mean, he did, didn't he have a toupee? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I think probably. Knows. Yeah. What so. I what I remember what I remember was watching uh, John Travolta when he was probably about seventeen on Welcome Back, Cotter. Vinny Bob. That was. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, that's where my pop culture, you know, well is deep is seventies, seventies, eighties. Yeah. You know, basically, your pop culture ends, uh, Jeff, around nineteen seventy nine. That's good. Well. Not probably more around my conversion, but anyway, that's yeah. beside the point. Anyway, so yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's good. Is it bad? That's where my where my pulp, you know pop culture starts. I don't know. I don't know. Um, wild man. Yeah, I, uh, you said political speeches, Nathan. I guess uh, Patricia Arquette. Yeah, women's rights. Yeah, she and went Norma equal, Ray. Yeah, uh, Common and John Legend. Yeah, went the civil, civil rights. rights. Uh, even beyond civil rights, I thought. Uh, yeah, they, they were kind of pushing the um, Legend was saying what were the most incarcerated yeah. country in the world among yeah. black men. Yeah. So he got rather political. Yeah. Um, I got to admit, I like the song, that glory. Oh, yeah. That was moving. Yeah. Man. I mean, I, that was a moving song. And I haven't seen Selma. Yeah. Um, I'd like to, but... Uh, yeah, Joy, Joy and I talked about it. And, um, you know, one of the things that we had said, and um, Greg, you and I have actually talked about this before, is, you know, why why are we constantly having to make race an issue? Right. You know, and and I, I just feel like every time I turn on anything, it has something to do with with race. Yeah. You yeah. know, and and I feel like there are so many other things that we could be discussing and talking about, um, you know, and granted, you know, I'm, I'm not a black person. You know, I don't come from a poor, you know, um, so- society, you know, neighborhood or anything like that. But I just feel like every time I'm turning on the news, whether it's from the president, whether it's from, you know, Congress or a movie or commercials, there, there's something to do with um, race. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and is it wrong that I'm just kind of like, you know what, I'm just sick and tired of hearing this? Or is this something that I should be paying more attention to and, you know, just championing, championing this cause for people? Yeah, dude. I mean, good, good question. I just had this conversation with um, 
oh, a guy who's about 22, 23, two or three weeks ago. And uh, he made an interesting point I never thought of. He said, you know, Greg, I'm actually um, terrified. He's in a postgraduate program. I'm terrified to talk about race. I said, really? Like, what is it? And he said, I'm just always afraid he's in a mm-hmm. class with uh, some Asian students, some black students, uh, you know, I think primarily, uh, his, you know, a couple of uh, Hispanic students, I think. And he said he's terrified whenever they have to do a group project to talk about race. Mm-hmm. I said, why? And he just says, I feel like I'm going to say something wrong. And man, that's, it shouldn't be like that. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be like no. that. And, you know, I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Well, a couple things come to mind. First of all, being up here in Anchorage is a far cry from both Little Rock, Arkansas, (laughs) those issues there, and and Virginia. I grew up in Virginia, not just as a surfer in Virginia Beach, but I was a little bit more inland uh, earlier on in Chesapeake uh, area. But, But as you know, if you get out of the Tidewater, Hampton Roads area, you're in a rural southern um, state. You know, you're not you're not too far from Appomattox. Let's just say in Virginia. So uh, y- there are all kinds of racial tensions and dimensions, especially between black people and white people. There in Arkansas, when I was uh, there, you know, through the, even the early 2000s, they were just still coming to the place in some of the smaller rural towns where you would have integrated prom night. Wow. Wow. Huh. I'm not kidding. In the 2000s. Wow. So it's 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 not we're not so reconciled, you know, in terms of things all over the country. A lot of it depends on where you live. Yeah. And and then living up here in Anchorage, you have people we've only been a state here for just a little over 50 years, but in those 50 years you just have people who have transplanted themselves up here or native people who've who've grown up here. But in terms of the black white or even uh, you have a lot of uh, people who are Asian because of the, the fishing industry and, and different uh, people have come up to do that. And, and so it's really a melting pot and nobody looks at race in a peculiar way up here in terms of black people and white people and you know just people coming up from all over the lower 48. However, race comes into play in terms of Native Americans up here. And so I know it's it's a whole entirely different idea to talk about, um, you know, white people and Native Americans maybe than what you're, you know, talking about over there. However, the highest concentration of Native Americans in our country is here. Wow. And so there are 300,000 Native Americans, you know, in villages all over Alaska and they are very tribal, um, you know, ethnically driven, culturally driven, and it's it's a very interesting dynamic to minister to Native Americans. Kind of like you might think a, a church reaching out in New Mexico or somewhere, you know, in Lower Forty Eight would be, or Arizona. Up here, it's the highest concentration of that um, dynamic. So, being sensitive with what you say, I think, is important. But on a deeper level, for me. Uh, I still, because I became a Christian at 17, still sense a, uh, I sense in my own heart a deep affection for people who uh, are racially different than me because being from Virginia, there was a lot of bigoting and a lot of heartache and a lot of hurt 
that uh, I experienced as a uh, as a young teenager. I just saw it a lot, you know, in segregation and things. And so once I became a Christian and became kind of colorblind, my heart just melts for people who are, you know, under any kind of uh, either false uh, segregated, you know, thinking or or have been hurt or whatever. I I really have a heart to embrace people and and want people to be part of the body of Christ and feel welcomed and accepted no matter where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Jeff. I mean, that's well, I didn't even realize that. Um, you know, a little newsflash that there are three hundred thousand Native Americans in Alaska. I yeah, that was, yeah, uh, man, that was news. Yeah, for, uh, for me, Jeff, my former church. I think you would say Nathan. We're we're sort of in. Uh, an incredibly suburban bedroom yeah. community. We are about as homogenous as we, you know, uh, as we could be. Yep. It's not our preference. It's not something we're striving to be. Right. Uh, we have a very small number of black families and maybe small number of Asian families, mm-hmm. uh, Hispanic as well, but but very small number. We're a predominantly white church. My former church in Catonsville, Baltimore, the uh, county city line that I was at from '03 to. Uh, I'm sorry, from 97 to 2003, uh, was almost 25% black. And yeah. I, I'll tell you, it was incredible. I mean, I, I've often told, uh, uh, Nathan's heard this, but there was a woman there named Cynthia Jones who was a tremendous influence in my life, and, and maybe some other time I'll, I'll give a little more on uh, her background, her story. But um, she was just a very serious student of the word, and she, you know, there, there was a lot of, to me, was just different black church culture mm-hmm. coming through uh, her manner of yeah. worship, the way yep. she would express herself. And here I am nervously preaching at 26 years of age with my notes up there, and I'm trying to get all my theological terms parsed just right. And um, yeah, I would make a point with a little bit of inflection, and she would say, oh, yes, <laughs> hallelujah, praise God. And it jarred me. You know, I, you know, I remember at times being almost terrified, am I saying the right thing? And I would try to like you know start talking back to people in the congregation and uh, saying kind of nerdy white things you know like yes yes it certainly comports with my doctrinal understanding of the passage in question uh, and things like that but it was an incredible experience uh, you know and, and and I'll tell you what Jeff I don't know if you feel like this it made me uh, all the more intentional about separating politics from the gospel I've never been a big political gospel guy. Uh, and, right. and you've never been exposed to that, Jeff, having gone to Liberty. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> did, did I just say that? Uh, That's but, right. Yeah, uh, you know, th- th- that was never um, my thing, but all the more so because, um, you know, we wanted to keep it to the gospel. We wanted yeah. to keep it to salvation. We wanted to keep it to who was Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I think there are implications of the gospel that should work their way out into all of our lives. Mm-hmm. I would say abortion is not a political issue, no matter what people say. Right. It is right. a biblical issue. It is a sanctity of life issue uh, that, to me, uh, a, a, uh, a Republican, a Democrat, a Libertarian, whomever, that claims to know Christ has to look at that issue regardless of political affiliation. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it just I, I think being in a racially diverse setting like that, it's just awesome. Yeah, uh, how yeah. it just clarifies the the gospel as our our common ground, and not just culture or hobby or socioeconomic status. Yeah. Well, when you when you find people in your congregation that love the Lord and love the Lord through His Word, you find people that are are very similar to you. 
Yeah. Oh, ow. oh, absolutely. Sorry, dude. We've got a live moment here. <laughs> My friend Scott Perry came into the church and he's mocking us, looking at us in the sound studio. Who's who's yeah. who's, who's with you there, Scott? Hey. Who is it? Stefan. Stefan. Oh, Stefan. How are you, dude? <laughs> hey, hey. Are you guys gonna practice? We are, but we'll, we'll wait. What time are you guys done? Give us like twenty more minutes. That's Okay. Oh, that's good. Good. If you guys want to even, you can hang out out there or hang out uh, in the West Wing. Help yourself, dude. Okay. <laughs> good. We might edit that out or we might not. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, essentially, I mean, and, and maybe, you know, maybe this is the answer to the question because the question was why are, you know, we as believers so fascinated with shows like this and celebrities? I mean, there, there are big movements out there to promote things you know um like like race sensitivity and um you know equal rights among uh women and you know things like that and 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 as you were saying greg the gospel is going to have implications in those areas sure um and so um you know uh i mean what what do you think you know i mean because that's the initial question is you know why why are we so fascinated with these award shows and you know especially you know for me i'm i I enjoy political conversations, but I hate getting political, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and so, you know, for me, it's, it's almost a headache to, to watch the Oscars. Yeah. Um, so, so why are we drawn to things like that? Why are we fascinated by them? Yeah, and it, it, there's sort of a strange dichotomy going on there, because I think 90% of the people that tune into the Oscars probably don't give a rip about the political stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's tuning in here. I wonder what uh, <laughs> you know Patricia Arquette is going to say about women's... I mean, they're interested because they saw her in Boyhood. They right. like the movie. Right. Yeah, they like, oh, I like Ethan Hawke. He's cool. Uh, you know, girls would say, oh, he's a good-looking guy. He's a good actor. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I want to watch the show. So I think that the draw uh, to celebrity is... is I mean... <laughs> Jeff, you uh, earlier said, hey, I'm going to say the spiritual thing. There's no doubt to me that we are wired to uh, be enamored with people greater than ourselves. Yeah, uh, I think yes. that's, that's hardwired into us. We know that's ultimately found in the gospel as Christ becomes precious to us and we realize. Like I've often thought when I'm at a Ravens game, I'm at an Orioles game, nobody has to instruct me how to be enthusiastic about my team. Yeah, uh, and you watch people basically doing things very similar to worship. You know, somebody crosses the goal line. You, nobody has to say, "Hey, now stand." Step two, clap. Step three, spill your beer on the person in front of you. Step four, you know, uh, yeah. you know, shout and holler. It's natural um, because we're hardwired to root. I think we're hardwired to cheer. Ultimately, we know that's not fully realized until our true hero, who, by the way, never loses a game. Yeah. Never <laughs> misses an award, <laughs> uh, never drops the ball, never forgets a line. Um, it's ultimately Christ himself. So I think we're drawn to that. Um, and I think that's the reason there's always been the interest in this country, even though we don't live in Great Britain, in royalty, mm-hmm. and why there was the infatuation with Camelot in the 60s, with you know, you know, the Kennedys, yeah, yeah. Um, why we're always looking for, you know, I mean, Beyonce, I, I, I see kids here, dude, they almost worship her. Yeah. Uh, the the effect a mega star, a diva has upon people. Uh, so it's sort of interesting. That's why people are watching, and they might put up with the political stuff. I can't help but think. I don't know if you've ever thought this, Jeff. I I don't think in the 1930s political conventions 
Clark Gable was there. I don't think in the 40s Humphrey Bogart was there. Mm-hmm. But the fusion of entertainment and politics is sort of a new thing. Has blown up. Well, it's a couple couple things just come to mind in terms of how people are fascinated with exalting a person to be inspired by that person. Oh, did you see the halftime Super Bowl halftime Katy Perry sure. moment where she was you know kind of lifted up like an angelic being? Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> It was just odd. I mean, it's like, what is she doing up there? She's supposed to be singing. You know, she's probably lip syncing whatever she's singing. But, you know, the other uh, the other side of it is is this. There's this one half that's facade where everybody knows nobody is as that is as perfect as the silver screen makes them to be, you know, fully scripted and and you know, fake teeth and makeup and hair and all of that. And and then on the other hand, everybody wants to see the real side of the celebrity. They want the mask to be taken off. And so I think an award show is is a moment of reality TV where a person is themselves moved and affected in a way that they're off their script a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's that's what people want. I mean, the extreme example of that is the Celebrity Apprentice and watching people care about their charities where it disarms them. I think that's the quote-unquote genius of Donald Trump where he's got celebrities off their base a little bit. They're up, you know, they're upset. They're fighting for their own personal interests, their own personal cause. And then they end up, you know, killing each other in the process. It's genius TV, right? In terms of entertainment. (laughs) It is. Because it's because it's breaking the mold of the facade of different people who've become, you know, iconicized or whatever, iconic in terms of the pop culture. Yeah, that's a good. Hey, Nathan, write that down. Because I'm going to preach that as my own point. (laughs) I will, Jeff. That was good, man. Yeah, that was. Just so you know, Jeff, when I hear a good point, I take it as my own and Mm -hmm. tell other people that, yeah, I was telling my friend Jeff. Well, (laughs) as as long as you give me credit for it so you don't go down for plagiarism, it'll be fine. And you you can do it as generically as you want to. I heard this one preacher say. No, anyway. Yeah, that's that's what what I I always do. do. That's what I might do. And I steal everybody's stuff. Yeah. It's great. Good, man. So moving into our next topic, uh, Christian conferences. And um, what I'm going to do is, uh, Jeff, you've never heard my thought on Christian conferences before. So I'm going to throw this thought out there and then let you and Greg just kind of um, discuss it and refute it. But my thought is that it's essentially Christian crack. <laughs> you, you you go there for the weekend to get high, and then as soon as it's over, you just you drop down low, and there's no real sustaining value to it. Um, and so, you know, yeah. Greg, Jeff, I'm just going to let you guys kind of comment on that, um, and and you know, take it where you will, because Greg, actually, you just got back from a conference on Saturday. We did, we did. Um, yeah, Jeff, we were at the um, our elders and our uh, intern here, Russell, were at the Ligonier conference. Yeah, that's uh, and, what, that's what you said. Yeah, yeah, and it was um uh wow, it wasn't very good. Is that okay that I could say that? <laughs> where not, where was it? Where was it? Orlando? It or? was uh, Orlando. Yeah, yeah, it was in the Coronado Hotel, okay. Disney Coronado, and it was a beautiful setup. Uh I mean, there were some highlights. Alistair Begg gave a great message on engaging the culture. You know, it, it, he he did the Act 17 thing, which yeah. certainly he admitted he said, "Okay, I'm going to give the most overused passage on contextualization 
Uh, he, yeah. did, he did it rather unapologetically, but it was it was great. I mean, there were still some things in there that were very, very helpful. Russell Moore gave a great message, similar yeah. on confronting the culture. Um, for me, and actually all the guys I went with, those, <laughs> those were the highlights. Um, and that's all I'll say about that for now. I've been to a lot of conferences. <laughs> uh, you know, it was... Um, it was uh, not the best conference, and um, I, I would say this, Nathan, particularly the when I was younger, the more youth-oriented uh, concerts. Do you remember a guy, Jeff, you might not, by the name of Rick Kua? He was like an no. early Christian kind of pre-Petra rock star and i remember oh yeah 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 <laughs> I, I remember him yeah rick, rick kua man i i heard him do a concert <laughs> in pennsylvania one time when i was like 17 i was rocking the mullet that he was wearing and, um you know it, i mean i was i would come back from those things as a youth and man i was just i was ready i was i was gonna light the world on fire man i was the next billy graham i was gonna just be preaching the gospel to everybody I saw. And by Tuesday, you know, I was pretty flat and, mm-hmm. you know, pretty uh, uh, diluted by that point. Lack of sleep caught up with you. All caught Caffeine up. wore off. Homework, back at school, sore throat, parents getting on me to do chores I didn't want to do, and, you know, all that sort of thing. Um, as I've gotten older, yeah. conferences uh, I'm more realistic about. I, I feel like I am because I've been to so many that yeah. um, you know. I just kind of know, and I don't know about you, Jeff. I pace myself. I, I tend to think these conferences, and I understand why they do it. They know they've got you there for three days, maybe two and a half days, uh, and they will jam in 27 main sessions, 14 seminars. Um, yeah, I used to feel I got to go to every one of those, you know, and now I kind of say, okay, which ones am I going to go back to my room and take a nap, particularly now that I can listen to it online. Uh, <laughs> right. so, you know, I, I kind of go into it. I'm going to chew the meat, spit out the bones. That's, that's how I approach yeah. it. But you're, you're a shepherd's conference guy, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. And some of it for me lately has been, you know, with the time zone, uh, difference differential between, the West Coast and the East Coast, you guys are on the Far East. Um, you yes. know that's a, that's a long that's a long time zone adjustment to shift from four hours. So we just shoot down to conferences that are on the West Coast primarily, and Shepherd's Conference is a big one. The thing about the thing about Shepherd's Conference that I like, and I agree with you with all that you just said. I mean, the the whole sort of conference rush thing has worn off on me for some reason in God's plan. I've been able to meet with and talk with a lot of people who are celebrity like preachers just in various settings, whether it was at Liberty or at master's college or seminary, or even in Little Rock, uh, we had a lot of people come through. I mean, I've spent personal time with people like Don Carson and John Piper and John MacArthur and Mark Dever and, uh, and I, I just mean at lunches or, you know, in more personal, um, relaxed settings where you realize that they're just people and they just are you know, people with extreme gifts to be able to write and be productive. But most of what they're going to say that's profound, you know, are things that you have either heard before or you know, things that are just on their hearts in the moment, more spontaneous. Yeah. And so you, you enjoy what's there, but you don't want to worship the person. Yes. And, and they don't want you to worship them. Right. And, and so, 
it's it's just more about getting around people that have done things a little bit better than you or or different that can inspire the work that we do in our own personal way. Um, I, I was trying to think. A lot of times when I'm at a conference, I'll do two things. One, I will try to go to the main things that I think are stand out and are really important. And then secondly, I'll try to connect with people there that I don't normally get to see, you know, from the country, from yeah. around the country. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I would rather have sometimes a personal cup of coffee with somebody and share my heart with them than go to every breakout session known to man. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Same anyway. thing. Same thing, Jeff. Years ago, I went to the... Uh, Parkside Conference, uh, Alistair yeah. Begg. Great conference. Now, what I love about his, if you've ever been there, it's it's, it's more relaxed. Uh, it's a little, yeah. which kind of fits Begg's personality. You know, a lot of times yes. these guys' personas are uh, stamped upon the, the, you know, sort of feel of that conference. Uh, and what I liked about that is there was a little more time, but I missed a session because uh, Tim Challies, you know, who's the sort of, the, yeah. you know, at the epicenter of Christian, Christian blogging was there. And just yeah. one of the nicest humble guys mm-hmm. you know yes, that, that'll, that'll talk to anybody you know if you just say hey tim i'd love to sit down pick your brain a few minutes i mean i'm i'm, yep. a, I'm a nobody a, a no-name kind of guy and he was just the nicest guy in the world and i got more out of that 30-minute conversation over a cup of coffee with tim right than i may have gotten on an interesting breakout session which to be honest today you can get so much stuff online yeah so yeah i like that point jeff if you can turn a conference into a relational plus um, yes i think that's huge Oh, it is huge. You come back refueled. I mean, if you come back with the sense that you're doing something that nobody really understands all the way, except you found somebody that totally understands and feels the different ministry moments that you're feeling, that is worth its weight in gold for the shepherd. You know, I mean, you just, you go, man, I have, I have received some spiritual encouragement that is really one of a kind. I, I recently, I recently went um, to the West Coast. I, we went on vacation. My my family and I did. I, I'm actually, um, uh, I'm. I have this weird habit right now. It's a hobby where I play water polo. <laughs> oh, dude! I so wish you had led with that. <laughs> yeah, I do. I. <laughs> that's one of the ways that I have been able to connect with the surfing. Uh, Virginia Beach and California roots is they play a lot of Californians come up to Anchorage because it's West Coast and all the Californians that play water polo get together at the college and so I somehow got invited to be part of that and so for three years almost I've been in training and regular water polo on sunny nights at the uh, University of uh, Anchorage Alaska so UAA and then out of that, I've been uh, welcomed onto a team that's a that's called the uh, Redwood Coast in California. And so I joined these older men, and we we competed in the Seattle Open uh, a two and a half week, uh, like two weekends ago. And I about died as we competed against college kids. Wow! So it was it was awful, but. But it's the way I knock the cobwebs out of my, you know, brain after Sunday morning preaching and all the ministry drama that you know goes on with church. Yeah. And yeah. so and so I did the Seattle Open, then I hopped a flight down to LAX and rented a car and drove an hour to come into the this the last half of 
the sermon preached by Lance Quinn, who was my senior pastor mentor in Little Rock sure. for 11 years. Now he's planted a church in um, Moore Park or Thousand Oaks. It's called Thousand Oaks Bible Church. So I hopped into that service Sunday night and then went to his house and then stayed up till probably one in the morning just sharing hearts in terms of ministry and all the, you know, you, you live through and all of that. But the reason that you go to a conference is for the same effect, yeah. you know, and mm -hmm. I think that matters as much as also being inspired by preaching. So, and worship. So, yes. anyway. No, great. Yeah, that's, dude, um, next time we have you on, Jeff, I want to explore the water polo thing a little bit more. By the way. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, we, Absolutely. we'd like to, to post some pictures on the Facebook page <laughs> and that sort of thing, but we'll we'll get to that. So yeah. we're um we're actually gonna go ahead. We are um we are out of time, so we're gonna go ahead and wrap up here. Um we'll save our, our topic for our third topic for next time. Um and that'll Jeff, that'll give you a little bit more time to uh to think through that one as opposed to having, you know, three hours. Um so we're gonna go ahead and uh sign off. Jeff, thanks for joining us. It was great, hey, Jeff. Hey, and, and you'll come back dude and talk expository preaching with us. Oh, I would love to. I, this was a blast. Awesome. Same here, man. That was great. All right. So we're going to go ahead and sign off now. And Greg, we just rocked the Casbah. Consider the Casbah rocked. <laughs> These go to 11.